0: Would you uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24 and 25. God in heaven, we thank you for the the sweetness and tenderness of your presence with us today. The sweet presence of a father who loves his children. God, I pray that we would be able to receive that today. That our status, our position, our relationship as as your children would find a very soft place in our heart. So, Lord, now may your word speak to each one of us wherever we are. God, in places where we need your comfort, I pray you would bring your comfort. Lord, in our places of of apathy, that you would bring uh, your challenge and conviction. In the name of Jesus and in the power of your spirit, amen. Do you remember back when you were in school, some of that was a longer time for some of you than others, but back when you were school, do you remember taking a test that you were really prepared for? You really knew the material? Alex is saying, no, he doesn't remember that at any of those times. <laughs> well, Alex, it was a lot of fun to take a test that you were really prepared for, like... You knew the material, you had sat with the material, you had learned the material, and you came and you knew that whatever question came your way, that you'd be able to handle it. Alex, do you remember any time taking tests that you weren't prepared for? Good. <laughs> Those tests bring a lot of anxiety, right? A lot of fear. What's going to be thrown my way that I'm not going to be able to handle or address? When you're ready for a test, there can be some satisfaction, even pleasure, in the taking of the test. But when we are not ready for a test, there is anxiety and fear. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is telling us to be ready. To be ready for his return. In Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus continues his challenge to the religious leaders that we've been exploring over the last few weeks in this last week of jesus's life there is this confrontation between the jewish religious leaders of the day and jesus and there's been this back and forth and over the last few chapters uh, jesus is challenging them and calling them back to faithfulness and warning them of what's going to happen if they don't turn and in these chapters jesus offers some very clear and serious warnings about a day of testing About a day of judgment that is coming. Brothers and sisters, we believe that Jesus, our King, is coming back and that we need to be ready. There is a judgment, a sifting, a refining fire that is coming, and we need to be ready today for the return of the King. Be ready. Be ready is the title of the sermon today, and Jesus' teachings and his stories and parables in Matthew 24 and 25, they tell us that we need to be ready in a couple different ways. First of all, we need to be ready today. In Jesus' teachings in Matthew 24 and 25, there is an immediacy and an urgency for us. We need to be ready right now. Throughout these stories that Jesus tells and the parables that he tells in these two chapters, there is this warning for us to not be caught off guard, that the king may come at a time when we do not expect it, and that we need to be ready and alert for his coming today. Jesus' instructions in these chapters and in these stories that we're going to look at today move us in... Help us to understand that there is this sense of urgency, immediacy. The king may come back today and we need to be ready. But we also need to be ready in a different way. We need to be ready for what Eugene Peterson calls a long obedience in the same direction. That we need to be ready for a long obedience in the same direction. Being ready means to consider faithfulness to Jesus across our whole lifetime. What do I need to do today? Who do I need to be today? What is my calling today so that when I am a hundred years old, I have not forgotten or betrayed my king? Do you see the tension between these two? These two ways that Jesus calls us to be ready. In some ways, all we have is today, this present moment. And so we have to be careful today to be looking for and to be ready for the, the return of Jesus. There is a sense of urgency to it. And at the same time, to live today in such a way that your faith will be strong and intact and flourishing 80 years from now. And while in our own minds there is this this tension here between these two things, this urgency of today, as well as considering faithfulness for the long haul, a long obedience in the same direction, the truth is our response today to this tension is exactly the same the calling that you and I need to have in order to be ready today and also for the long obedience in the same direction, the calling is this, to abide with the King who loves us. Our response today to knowing that he may come, our sense of urgency, as well as this idea that we are going to perhaps live faithful lives 70, 80 years from now, is simply the calling today to abide with the King who loves us. Today we're going to focus on the story of the ten virgins, or as I'm going to call them today, the ten bridesmaids in Matthew chapter 25. I'd like to read that parable for us, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Jesus says this, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Later, the others also came, sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Every culture has different customs and practices around weddings. And in Jesus' day, there were certain customs and practices that we are very unfamiliar with. So when we come to this story, this parable, it seems really strange to us. What's going on in this story? And so I want to begin by giving you a little bit of a background to what was happening at this time around the practices and customs of weddings during this day. You know, for us, when we have a wedding, you know, we have these... Uh, We set a date far into the future, and we send these, you know, save the date announcements. And then later comes the actual announcement, and it has this very particular time, a very particular place, uh, very particular expectations for people who are planning to come to the wedding. But in Jesus's day, a wedding didn't have an exact start time. In Jesus' day, for the most part, all of your extended family and friends, they lived right there in the same place. You all knew each other intimately, and you knew that a wedding was coming up soon, that, that Jack and Jill were engaged to be married, and that some point in the future there's going to be a wedding. But there were some preparations that needed to be made before that wedding could happen. And one of the final arrangements, one of the final preparations for the wedding, was a negotiation between uh, the groom and the bride's family. It was a negotiation over the bridal price. This is very romantic, ladies. You're going to love this part. (laughs) In ancient Jewish culture, the groom's family would pay the bride's family a bridal price for the value that they thought and agreed to that she would bring to their home. So the groom and his family and the bride's father and his family would begin to negotiate about the bridal price, the value that it was thought the woman would bring to that home. And sometimes those negotiations would go on for a very long time, sometimes for days or even weeks. But then after they came to the final agreement, there would then be this processional from the groom's house to wherever the wedding was going to be held. This would be kind of like a parade that would go throughout the town, letting everyone know that a wedding was now going to happen, that the final negotiations had been made and the wedding is now going to happen. And so there would be this big parade through the town, and as a part of that parade, there were these um, young women, bridesmaids, friends of the family, friends of the bride, friends of the groom, who were in charge of carrying lamps along the procession into the banquet that would give light to the banquet. Girls who were close to the family, who were given a responsibility for the wedding. So, in this story, we read about these ten bridesmaids who have been given a job in all of the planning and the preparation that 's taken place. Ten of these girls have been given this responsibility to lead the procession of the banquet with these lamps and then to provide these lamps with light for the banquet, for light for the banquet. This was their responsibility. It was somebody else's job to do the decorations, somebody else's job to prepare the food, somebody else to to bring or buy the wine. It was someone else's job to set up all the tables or whatever they did for this banquet. But these ten bridesmaids have a responsibility, and that is to lead this processional with these lamps to provide light for the banquet. So in Jesus' parable, he sets this scene about these ten bridesmaids who have this responsibility, and he says to us that five of them were foolish and five were wise. Five of them had purchased oil in case the negotiations went long and they had enough oil for their lamps. At the end of this story, five of them get to be welcomed into the banquet, and five of them are left out. Ten bridesmaids who are all dressed and ready to go. Ten bridesmaids who have been chosen in a particular way. Ten bridesmaids who, it seems like all ten of them should be in the banquet, but five of them enjoy the wedding, and five of them are left outside. They miss the celebration. They miss the fun. They miss the food. They miss the drinks and the laughter and all of the good things that a wedding brings. What is this parable about this parable is a warning and a call a challenge to be ready to be ready today and to be ready for a long obedience in the same direction this parable was originally told directly to these religious leaders that jesus had been challenging during this last week of his life they were the ones who looked the most ready They were the ones on the outside who had been chosen. They looked like they were holy. They were the ones who were most ready for the wedding banquet of the king. But Jesus was warning them that their outward appearances, their titles, their closeness to the family is not what was required. And so as we listen today of this warning that Jesus gave to the religious leaders, we need to receive it as a warning for us. Especially for those of us in the church who outwardly have all the signs of being a part of God's people, but who do not express true faith in God. It's a warning for those of us who may at some time in the past heard the gospel, perhaps went forward and prayed a prayer, perhaps were baptized, but who in their life have not responded in their life to a life of faith and obedience and abiding with the King. The parable is a warning for those who participate in all of the outward forms of church life, of Christian religion, but who do not live their lives in relationship with God. All ten of these bridesmaids seem to be on their way to the wedding. They are all dressed up for the wedding. They have on the right clothes. They have their lamps. They have their responsibility. They have their way of participating in the wedding. There is no reason to believe that any of these ten won't be a part of the banquet. But at the end, five of them do not enter in, and they miss out. So this parable is a warning for those who come to church every Sunday, who show up at all the church events, who tithe their income, who know the right words to use to make others believe that you're a follower of Jesus, but have no real relationship with God. It's a warning to those who perform, those who seem to be good and upright people, who everyone else would assume is on their way to the banquet, but who do not really know or love God. This parable is a warning for all of us to consider and to hold up a mirror to our own lives and to ask whether or not our faith has become apathetic or half-hearted, whether we have forgotten to pay attention to be ready today, as well as for this long obedience in the same direction. It's a call to repentance to every area of our life where we have grown cold toward our Lord. Whenever we repent, we are invited to turn away from one thing and to turn toward a better thing. And the repentance is is not only a turn away from apathy or to half-heartedness or coldness toward Jesus. It's a call to turn away from that toward something better, which is full commitment to Jesus our King. Jesus says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and who carry heavy burdens. Take my yoke on you, for I am gentle and humble, and I will give you rest. The call to be ready today, the call to commit ourselves to a long obedience in the same direction, is not a call to anxious work. It's not a call to do more. It's not a call to make sure that we have all of our religious doctrines and ducks in a row. And it's certainly not a call to pretend on the outside that we're somebody that we're not. The call is an invitation to come to know the King today. As John 15 says, to abide in Jesus, to remain in the relationship that he offers To us today, to abide in him, to believe in him, to place our trust in him. This is the work that we are called to do. He is the oil for our lamps. Today is the day of salvation. All that we have is today. We cannot change yesterday, and there's not a whole lot that we can do about tomorrow. But today, as the scriptures say, is the day of salvation. And so for each of us, we have to ask are we ready? The five foolish bridesmaids were not ready on the day that the bridegroom came. Are you ready today? Today, we must be ready to ask ourselves if we have committed our whole lives to him. If we've received by faith the salvation that he offers, and are we abiding with him today? This parable is really clear that we can't borrow faith. The five bridesmaids try to go to the other five to say, can I have some of your oil? Can I have some of your faith in order to keep me going? We cannot borrow faith. The parable is also clear that all of the outward forms of religion are no guarantee of our salvation. The bridesmaids were dressed the part, but the groom shut the door and said, I do not know you. All of the outward forms of religious life are not enough to save us. Being baptized, taking communion, tithing your money, coming to church, those are all helpful in our walk of faith, but they do not save us. It is by placing our faith, our hope in the saving work of Jesus that saves. The five faithful bridesmaids were able to enter into the celebration, not only because they were ready in that moment, but because they had prepared before for the long obedience that was required of them. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus compares two builders, the wise and the foolish builder. The wise builder built his house on the rock, and the foolish builder built his house on the sand, so that when the rains came, his house fell. And at the end of that teaching, Jesus says that the foolish person is someone who hears Jesus' words and does nothing. And the wise person is someone who hears Jesus' words and obeys them. Christian faith is not only a matter of a one-time moment in life where we have an experience of conversion and we pray a prayer. Faithfulness implies a life lived with Christ over the long haul. A daily taking up our cross and following Jesus. God's grace is always available for us. For when we fall, when we are not obedient, God knows that we are frail. Psalm 103 reminds us of this, that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. Committing ourselves fully to Christ does not mean that we will never fail or fall short. We serve a gracious and compassionate God who has made provisions for our failures. He's made provisions for our frail flesh. But what the parable of the ten bridesmaids says to me is that there is no provision for a permanent spirit of apathy toward God. A permanent spirit of not caring about this relationship that he's invited us into. So the book of Hebrews says it well. The writer of Hebrews says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly until the end, the confidence that we had at first. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that there is a faithfulness today, and there's also a holding firmly day by day until the very end. So I want to invite you today, as we've heard this story of the parable of the ten virgins and this reminder, this call to be ready, to remember to to be ready today and also to commit yourselves to this long obedience in the same direction. God in heaven, we need your help for this. We cannot do this on our own. We thank you for your provision for our shortcomings and our failures but God, through your strength and your help, we ask that you would help us to believe, to trust, and to abide in you. Amen.